y'all what's up it's nicole i'm devon and we are the hosts of the relationally awkward podcast we are so excited to be back with you guys because it's definitely going to be an interesting episode but devon how's your day going so my day has been great actually um can't complain um it was a long day at work but other than that i'm just thankful that in all honesty i still have a job um the good thing about it is, is that I'm working on my second script. Um, as most of you may or may not know, um, I am a, a screenwriter. Um, so I completed my very first script this year. And so now I'm working on my second script. So I'm excited about that. That's awesome. 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 Um, so Nicole, let, let, let us know uh, what's, what's going on. Any updates? Because I know something just actually dropped. I am doing amazing. It has been some amazing things happening in my life lately. Um, just some great things. Um, something that I can share and have shared with the world is I just released a new song, my very first song, which is an instrumental. For those that don't know, I actually play the viola. Um, I've been playing for almost 18 years now. And yeah, I just released my first single, which is entitled Ode to Depression. Um, a lot of my music will be focused around mental health. Um, I've actually been advocating since about 2012 especially um, on the topic of depression. And so, yeah, I'm just grateful and excited about that. I also released a free ebook the same day, which can be found on our website, www.relationallyawkward.com. Um, if you go under Meet Nicole, you can definitely find it there as well. Um, the free ebook is entitled 21 Healthy Habits to Prevent Depression. And, uh, yeah, I've gotten some great uh, feedback regarding it. Um, I've heard some amazing things regarding the ebook and the song. So I'm just so excited. I'm working on much more music, um, and I work with other people as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just super excited. It's been a lot of amazing things happening. That's what's up. And, yes, y'all definitely got to go check out the single. It is amazing. I listened to it myself. Awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, but as we know... Especially, you know, we always talk about quarantine. We talk about the pandemic. Um, it's been a lot going on. A lot, a lot, a lot going on. Um, but, you know, we're still here. We're still alive. We're still breathing. And so we're definitely able to tell our own stories as well as speak up for those that are no longer able to speak up for themselves. So I don't know how many of you have ever heard the conversation between Candace Owens and T.I. that occurred last year. Um, I believe it was like last summer. Um, during a panel discussion, um, she brought up a lot of interesting, you know, topics of conversation, and um, it was definitely an interesting conversation. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and listen to a, a brief clip. If your brothers or any of your family members, if they are caught out there by a policeman who is in a, a covert, undercover white supremacist and get gunned down. This constituency will have absolutely nothing to say about Please it. Please let so me answer this question. Please let me answer this understand. question. And we can't, and although what you're saying is absolutely, a lot of the things that you're saying are absolutely factual. A lot of the things that you're saying yeah. have merit, but I can't even get to that before I address, I will address the disregard it right now. I will address for young it right black now. lives I love and it. we will not I love speak it. up on it at love all. love this question. I will address it. All of the things that you I spoke on from Opportunity Zones. I love that we're talking about white supremacy. Okay, I'll answer the question. I, I say, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I, I, I didn't interrupt you. If I may. If I may. Um, 
You're talking about opportunity zones, and I will never have anything negative to say about the financial benefits, the tax breaks that come from the Republican Party. I, I'm a rich person, and you I appreciate rich. You dig what I'm saying? I'm Negro hey, rich. I, hey, listen, I, I appreciate all of the different tax breaks and the opportunity zone benefit, but it's what called we, a crooked clock is right twice what else, a day. You're That's right, right. Called. I get that, but what we must understand when we're talking about opportunity zone, and we're giving the credit to the person who who, who pushed that legislation forward, which it started with Tim Scott, a black man who That's happens right. to be a Republican out of South Carolina. That's who wrote the legislation and presented it. However, the the present the president the present president, if you can call him that, he did allow it to go through. But that had to, in order to benefit from opportunity zones, you have to have capital gains taxes. It ain't many black people in these opportunity zones that have, have capital gains taxes to be able to reap the benefits of these things. Therefore, therefore Missy thing, your question was a fallacy because you said they, they you insinuated that he has not denounced white supremacy. He hasn't. Go to his, somebody please, go to his Twitter feed right now. Right now, he go said, back to the shooting. He said, no, 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 because we gotta tell the truth. He I said, do not stop. Now you, you're, you're, you're cutting me off, right? There we go. Now we're even. What he said was that. And so, as you guys have heard, um, it was definitely a very interesting discussion. Devon, what did you get from that? So, the, the one thing that I would like to point out with that conversation was the statement that she made about. Um, the government incentivizing on um, fatherless homes and, you know, mothers who are single, you know, raising their kids on their own. What I don't think that a lot of people understand is because she she made a lot of, of, of very good facts during that entire conversation. Um, she went left. At, at some point, um, but I think with this one, she was she hit the the nail right on the head with this one because working for the state um, two years ago, I was working for the Department of Health Services and I was doing food share, health care, doing a lot of the eligibility um, work um, to get people on food stamps, on health care, child care, and several other different programs. But looking behind the scenes of that, I saw what she referring to a lot throughout my three and a half years of working there you know I saw like a lot of my clients who did get food share who did get health care were single mothers who were raising their kids on their own where the father was not in the household at all and if the father was in the household they you know had to sort of work it out where we wouldn't find out mm-hmm. and that's the sad part because the thing is is like any household that had both the mother and the father there they were probably 10 times as less likely to even get food share or any other um assistance be on any other assistance program so for me listening to her say that it sort of hit home not from personal experience but more so working behind the scenes um for the department of health services and seeing a lot of that with my own clients so you and I both have actually done the work of, you know, working with people directly concerning social services, making sure that people are able to have the the benefits and have their um, their day-to-day necessities, um, even when it comes to housing um, and all those different things. We've both kind of worked um, in some kind of capacity in those areas, especially for a long time now. Um, what I will... What I will comment on is the fact 
of overall, when I think of us as, you know, Black people, our Black community, when it comes to us having a seat at the table, even amongst one another, um, I think there are definitely some things that we have to keep in mind. Yes, it's great to have a seat at the table, right? It's great to be able to have these discussions. But although I don't care very much for Candace Owens, um, I can say that I felt like she was definitely being overtalked. And as a Black woman, even amongst, you know, our amazing, beautiful Black men, it's very important to let us talk. Um, I feel also that they invited her there to have a conversation, but also, like, they didn't really give her the room enough to speak because a lot of things that she touched on were definitely actually true, you know, as far as what's going on in our Black communities. And I think she intentionally did that, which is very interesting to see. Um, But I think once she got to certain topics and certain things that she was speaking on where, of course, we didn't agree with, um, I felt like they didn't really give her the room to really go in and explain it in the way that she needed to. Um, And again, I I do not support her at all, but I think when it comes to allowing Black women to have the space to speak, um, I think they definitely could have given her more room for that. Also, I do want to say that, again, as you heard me say probably two or three times now, I do not support her. Um, and a lot of what she stands for outside of what's happening in the Black community that are actually factually true. Um, for one of the one of the uh, more recent reasons I don't support her is the fact that she said she does not support George Floyd and what happened to him. I repeat, she stated she does not support George Floyd because of his past. You have got to be freaking kidding me. I think a lot of times, especially whether it's our black men or our black women, but especially our black men, whenever something um, happens to them or there's some type of injustice concerning them, they always try and bring up their past. Or a lot of times what you'll see in the media is an article saying, oh, such and such uh, previous that are or bringing up their history or their past or something that weren't even related to them or something that were um, uh, some things that they may have been charged with but were let go of because there was no proven evidence a lot of times their past or uh, what I'm trying to say a lot of times their past um, will be brought up or mentioned in media or um to make them look like this bad guy or this bad person when in reality these are actually amazing great people that may have just made some previous mistakes and so I absolutely hate that but here's but here's the thing though why is their past what what does their past have to do anything with their death exactly. that's the part that I'm not understanding like yes I understand that they have a past I mean we all have a past you know we all have some you know skeletons in our closet and whatever the case may be or whatever, but at the end of the day, that has nothing to do with the issue at hand. The fact of the matter is is that George Floyd's death um, could have been prevented, and the truth of the matter is is that if he were white or any other race, I felt like it would have been handled a lot differently. But because of the fact that he was black, this is, you know, why he ended up um, dying and why we're ended up talking about it right now. But his past has nothing to do with it. Exactly, and and that's that's why I always say when it comes to the media and when you have certain people speaking out, whether black, white, I don't care who you are, but especially, you know, concerning anyone in our black community, we, 
it's not acceptable to bring up someone's past. I'm sorry. I don't I don't feel like it's acceptable or even necessary to bring up a black man or woman's past when a white quote unquote constituent, an American or whomever, can commit a crime and just because they say I'm sorry or just because of what they look like, then they're represented as, oh, this hometown such and such person or whatever like they they have such a great and amazing title next to their name because of what they look like and that is some bull crap so yeah that's all i really have to say about that <laughs> so while we're talking about um people bringing up our past in a lot of different situations when we think about victim mentality, which a lot of the times people will use their past to sort of justify why they can't get ahead in life. So how, how do you feel? I guess the question that I want to throw out there is, is do you feel like we in the black community, we have a victim mentality? <laughs> so this is definitely one of those difficult conversations, right? I think a lot of times throughout the years, um, like just going based off of what's taught in schools um, about quote unquote history, but it doesn't really include black history. Um, when we think about a lot of black history, a lot of times we focus on slavery. We focus on, um, you know, how we've always had a hard time as a black people in the black community. Uh, when we focus on how our parents were raised and our grandparents, you know, they definitely have a bit of a different um, experience in history. When it comes to growing up black, even though we've experienced a lot of similar things, they, I, I feel, have definitely, um, you know, experienced a lot more in some cases. When we think about how segregation in America has definitely um, transformed and grown, even though it still exists. Um, I think a lot of times we, we've mm-hmm. definitely heard a lot about that. Um, when we think about someone having a victim mentality, um, specifically within the black community, I do feel that sometimes it does occur mainly, I would say, with, um, you know, people based on their experience and their culture and how they grew up and what they've experienced in their lives. Um, And, you know, just I I think when we when I think about um, growing up black in America, my experience may be different from some. But at the end of the day, we can definitely um, be unified in the overall struggle but I will say and and that's just you know a quick point of view because I do see it on both sides as far as being a victim and not being a victim when it comes to the victim mentality I think when it comes to thinking about a victim mentality we cannot negate our history we cannot negate our struggle Mm -hmm. we cannot negate slavery we cannot negate what's going on right now we cannot negate uh mass incarceration and, you know, the new Jim Crow and like all the different things that we're seeing that we're experiencing, especially as a black people. Um, I think, yes, there have definitely been opportunities presented before us that we can definitely take. But I think there are definitely a lot of things that stop us. There are definitely a lot of things that we are not able to experience and enjoy, such as our white counterparts and um, people surrounding uh, our black community. Um, I think it's a lot of things that we don't necessarily have access to or that we're unable to also enjoy um, as everyone else. And I think that's a huge problem. And so I think when I think about the victim mentality, especially within the black community, um, I think sometimes overall in life, you know, especially in our black community that yes, we experience a lot of hardships. Um, and sometimes we do, you know, stop ourselves such as other people that experience fear or anger or 
you know, bitterness or whatever. So I think no matter what in life overall as a whole, we can play the victim mentality. But with specifically within our Black communities, I feel that more of the focus should be on our history. It should be uh, more of a focus on where we came from, where we are. And, you know, being a victim, I mean, it is what it is. We, we experience a lot, right? You know, um, I think we also grow from it. We learn from it. We also are an amazing group of people that, um, you know, definitely create. You know, we are very creative. We, we are definitely raising awareness and whatnot. So I don't think we are um, in a place of being limited to, you know, just, you know, a, a small box. But I think a lot of times society tries to keep us there. A lot of times, um, I, I feel like at the end of the day, yes, we have a choice, but we also don't always have the resources. We don't always have the access and we don't always have the same opportunities. So when it comes to the mental, uh, when it comes to the victim mentality overall, I will say, I feel the more, I feel like the focus should really just be on how we don't have access to everything that everyone else does and how we need to improve that and how that needs to grow and how the injustice surrounding that needs to be broken. And, you know, I, I definitely see where you're coming from um, because we should definitely look at our history um, because even though, you know, we may not necessarily be out in the, the fields, there is still, in a way, slavery that is still going on today. It just looks very mm -hmm. different. It feels very different. Um, but when we're talking about victim mentality, I believe that there are sort of two schools of thought. So one, I believe, my, my answer to that is yes and no. Mm -hmm. So I believe that there are definitely unique circumstances and situations that were sort of created to definitely hold us down as a community, mm -hmm. um, especially when you talking about mass incarceration um when you think of a lot of those people who are coming out of the prison system there's a lot of uh what, what do you call it uh recidivism especially when you're looking at those uh when you were talking about mass incarceration a lot of times when we have people who come out of the prison system the recidivism rate is very high because when they come out a lot of people are not really really willing to give them an opportunity, um, especially when it comes to like employment. Um, so a lot of the times they have this tendency to sort of like reoffend and end up back in the system. Yeah. So I believe in those situations, there really isn't a victim mentality that's there. I believe that there's special circumstances that are sort of there to hold, you know, us back, to hold people back. However, the flip side of that is I have to say yes, because for me, whenever I hear someone say like, oh, I can't, you know, get here or I can't, you know, get to this certain level or do that because of this or because of that it is for me, it just sounds like a lot of excuses, you know, and if you are not someone who has, again, these unique circumstances that are sort of built to hold you down, I feel like you have every opportunity to go out there and make something of yourself. There's been people who have been in even worse situations that you know, worse things that we've experienced, you know, you and I, um, who have gone off, they've gotten themselves out of that environment and they've made something of themselves and they've become very successful. So I don't, I believe for me, that answer is yes and no. I don't believe that it's a, 
there's a lot of gray area in that. Um, for me, a lot of the times when um, I'm, I'm not going to say the company that I work for, but I was working for this company several years ago. And I remember putting in um, an application for a promotion so many times um, and I would apply for it and I would never get the promotion. However, there would be my white counterpart who would come in with less experience and less knowledge than I had and be promoted rather quickly. So for me, I, I definitely, it's, it's a yes and no answer. So I can't really sit here and say that, no, we don't have a victim mentality. I, I believe it's yes and no. It, it really is sort of circumstantial. Uh, we, we can't really look at every situation the same. And we definitely can't say it, it's, you know, because we were enslaved so many years ago that that's the reason why we're being held back now because we know that there are successful black people out there in the world today. We can name so many of them. Um, so for me, it, it's yes and no. It, there's a lot of gray area in that when we're talking about victim mentality, especially in the black community. Absolutely. I definitely agree with you there. Um, since we're on the topic of talking about the black community, something I do want to kind of talk about is the recent deaths of Breonna Taylor and Elijah McClain, which I cannot even begin to understand um, how and why this happened. Well, of course, I, I, I get why it happened. Um, of course, being black in America has definitely always been difficult, as we always talk about. Um, but in the ways in which they were killed is just astonishing. Mm-hmm. Um, when we think about Brianna Taylor, now Brianna Taylor was at home in her house. So Brianna Taylor and her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, had been in bed and got up when they heard a loud banging at the door, according to New York Times. Um, after a brief exchange, Mr. Walker fired his gun. The police also fired several shots, striking Brianna Taylor at least eight times. All of this occurred according to New York Times, because the officers forced entry into the exterior door and were immediately met with gunfire, according to the reports. Because the police decided to enter their home. The police (laughs) decided to enter their home because they believed that they were selling drugs out of a house that wasn't far from Breonna Taylor's home. And a judge also signed a warrant allowing the police to search Brianna Taylor's residence because the police said they believed that one of the two men had used her apartment to receive packages. You've got to be kidding me. And no drugs were found in the apartment. No drugs were found in the apartment. You've got to be kidding me. But here's the thing, though. It was the type of warrant that they were given. They were given a no-knock warrant, warrant, which meant that they could physically go to the house, burst through the door without any warning. So the thing is, is like my, my whole thing is like if, I, if I'm, you know, in my apartment, especially because I'm alone. So if I'm in my apartment and I hear somebody knocking at the door or banging at the door, rather, you know, of course, that's going to, you know, sort of make me alert. That's going to, you know, send me up, you know, like, okay, what, what's going on? Right. You know, who's at the door? And then, of course, you break in. Now I'm sort of like in survival mode because if you had a key, 
you would be able to walk through the door. But the fact of the matter is, is that you burst through the door. What do you expect me right. to do? I'm going to try to, in, in, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, try to protect myself because I'm in survival mode now. And I, that's what Brianna, Brianna Taylor's uh, boyfriend was doing. So in no way was he, you know, did he have a gun in his hand because he was trying to shoot or kill anybody. He was only trying to protect himself and his girlfriend in their home with, uh, again exactly in their home the safety of their own home so now you can't even be safe in your own home now but he was trying to protect them too he he didn't know anything about this no knock warning or warrant excuse me he knew nothing about that all he knew was that somebody who he felt was a threat at that time was trying to was breaking through his door basically and he went right into survival mode and now we're here and not only are we here, but there have been multiple protests taking forth in the streets since Breonna Taylor was shot and killed. And as of recently, there was a peaceful protest where a shooter began to shoot at protesters and ended up killing at least one person that I'm aware of, according to ABC News but also shot multiple others. But this was an actual civilian that decided to start shooting at a peaceful protest. How often do we see tear gas being thrown out? Some type of brutal violence um, and so many other things happening just from the police alone. But this was a regular civilian, according to ABC News, that decided to show up and start shooting at multiple protesters. This kind of stuff again, is a cycle that's been happening for years and mm-hmm. years and years. Even even around the time of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, you know, we see so many leaders that have been out on the streets or that have spoken up on behalf of our community. And wherever they found themselves, they found themselves dead. They found themselves getting attacked or we, they um, there's been some type of retaliation um, against the black community because we speak out. Like, it's ridiculous. And it's been out of hand. It's not getting out of hand. It's been out of hand. Exactly. So this isn't the only injustice that we know of. Again, she's like one of many um, that we've seen in the news. And the latest is Elijah McClain. So just to give you a little bit of backstory on his on his story. So on the night of August 24, 2019, um, Elijah McClain went to a convenience store near his home to buy some drinks Um, In surveillance video from the store, he can be seen wearing a ski mask. Um, And the reason why he was wearing the ski mask is because his family stated um, that he was anemic. And so by wearing the ski mask, it kept him warm. Um, On the way to the convenience store, someone spotted him and ended up calling 911 to state that there was a suspicious character um, going towards the convenience store. Police came to check it out. One thing led to another and... Now we're here with yet another death that could have been prevented. Here's my thing. The way you just described that written article, why did there need to be an explanation of why he decided to wear a mask? That's what I don't understand. I don't care if he was dressed in all blue, all yellow, whatever, and had on a mask. 
why does there need to be an explanation of why this black young man was wearing a mask? But go ahead, it's okay. But here, here's the crazy part because the person who called nine one one stated they basically described him as a sketchy individual and adding that he might be a good person or he might be a bad person. Um, but when asked, the caller told the operator that there were no weapons, that no one was in danger. The operator advised him that officers were on their way to check out the scene. And what's so crazy is, is because even though this happened last year and a lot of protests are sort of bringing new attention to uh, this injustice, but in the midst of them trying to detain him, he could actually be heard saying, I can't breathe. So yet again, we have someone else crying out, they can't breathe. Ooh. And so my, my whole thing is, is like, where, when does it end? But here, here's, here's, here's the kicker, because we got to take it even further, because um, when police officers showed up on the scene, more and more police officers started to show up on the scene. Um, and two of the three officers, um, their body cams uh, became dislodged and they actually intentionally dislodged their cam. And one of them can actually be heard saying like, hey, move your camera. So he was intentionally trying to not be seen on the camera. And of course he had, um, I, I don't believe that it was his knee, but um, I believe that they were putting pressure on his uh, carotid artery, which of course makes it very difficult to breathe, which is why he was crying out, I can't breathe. So. I mean, everything about this whole entire story just screams injustice. Here's what got me that kind of struck a nerve. They injected him, as in the paramedics, injected him with a dosage of ketamine. Mm-hmm. He was not, I'm sorry, he was not even resisting and they injected him with ketamine unnecessarily and he suffered from cardiac arrest he regained consciousness and was being treated at the hospital and died several days later for doing nothing except walking while black <laughs> like and even if he was walking from the store, he did nothing wrong at the store. So why would you now have police upon arrival while he's walking home? He did nothing wrong. Absolutely. And the caller even said, because I, I, a lot of people, and we have to talk about it because a lot of people are going to bring up, well, oh, he had on a ski mask. Again, this is because he was anemic and he was trying to keep himself warm. But even with that, the caller who called 911 specifically stated there are no weapons and no one is in danger. So that, I mean, for, for me, that should have been a thing where it was like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll let this go, whatever the case may be. But and even if you did show up on the scene just to sort of like suss out what was going on, why did it go this far? Why did it have to be taken this far? This kind of stuff makes me worry about 
my relatives, my brothers, my father, um, all the black men around me, not, not even black men, black women as well, but especially the black men in my life because of crap like this. This was a very amazing young man, a violinist, by the way, um, who had a very bright future, along with Brianna Taylor, you know, had amazing futures, um, yet their lives were ended too early due to nonsense. So sitting here talking about, you know, Breonna Breonna Taylor, Elijah McClain, um, we've talked about George Floyd, um, we've talked about so many different, you know, people who have died at the hands of police brutality um, and as a result of racism. What we fail to understand sometimes is, is there are families who have to deal with the with with the death of a loved one, you know. Like, you know, we're talking about George Floyd, we're talking about Breonna Taylor, we're talking about Elijah McClain. There's a family, you know, there, there's a, a father who lost his son, a mother who lost his son, you know, there, there's a brother, you know, who lost their sister or their brother. Um, and a lot of that, especially when we're talking about mental health, that has a very big, um, that, that can weigh heavily, you know, on a person. I think one of the things that we forget is, especially when we're talking about Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, there are, you know, mothers. There's a mother, there's a father, there's a brother, a sister who lost their loved one. Um, And that can weigh very heavily on someone, you know, especially when they're dealing with the death. It's, It's like, how do you recover from that? How do you get over that you lost someone at the hands of police brutality as a result of racism? How do you deal with that? How do you overcome that? So when we think about the recent death um, all over America right now, and when we think about um, the aftermath that the families have, you know, definitely had to experience, that the families have definitely tried to grieve from, you know, I can only just imagine, like, what's going through their minds right now, especially not even seeing justice prevailed concerning their, their father, their mother, their uh, brother, their sister, um, you know, their grandchild, you know, there's, there's just so much that they've experienced. Um, and I just, I can only imagine what the families are really going through right now, just how they're trying to not just recover, not just heal, not just grieve, um, but think about, you know, their last memories that they had with their loved one, you know, um, that's, that's a lot to process. That's a lot to um, experience and be, even be connected to, and especially with the mm-hmm. pandemic going on right now, not every family can have a memorial. Not every family can have a funeral. Not every family can, you know, do what they need to do to really honor the memories and the lives of their loved ones that they exactly. lost. And we, we've dealt with death before. You know, we deal with it, you know, uh, a lot. You know, we all have to die at some point. But it, it's very different when someone is taken way before their time. You know, it, it, it hits very different. Yeah. Um, you know, I know when I lost my great aunt, that hurt very much because she was, you know, like a mother figure to me. She raised me for a good portion of my life. But if we were to sort of flip the script and, you know, she died not of natural causes, but by the hands of police brutality, you know, 
I feel like that would have definitely hit different. It's like, I, like, how do you take that all in? How do you sort of reconcile that within your own self? How do you do right. with that? I, like th- that, that would be very hard for me, you know, especially with the families. I'm pretty sure that they are, there, there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of rage that's there that has to be dealt with. Um, and I definitely think that it's important, especially when you had to experience something like this, it's definitely important to have, you know, a therapist on hand, someone that you can talk to, to sort of work things through, because if you don't, that rage, that anger that you have on the inside, it can definitely build to something that's not healthy. Um, And I I mean, I just, I couldn't imagine being in their position, you know, we can sit here and we can talk about it, but then it's another thing when you're actually in their shoes and have experienced it for your own self. That's very true. I know you mentioned um, having a therapist, which I believe is very important, um, especially being someone who has utilized a therapist um, almost a year now. It's been amazing. Not everyone has access to that. Not everyone can afford that. And especially a lot of times I feel like, um, especially within, you know, several generations, we've always been told what stays at home happens at home. I'm sorry. We've always been told what happens at home stays at home or mm-hmm. uh, we haven't always been you know, properly taught how to deal with trauma, how to deal with what goes on, how to deal with what hurts. And so I think although those resources are available, not everyone knows how to get in contact with those resources. Not everyone understands um, that those resources are available. Not everyone wants to talk to um, a professional. And so when we think about grieving, when we think about trauma, when we think about losing loved ones, Um, It's very important that we take the time to heal, that we take the time to process, which I think, you know, uh, I've definitely heard people say in the past, like, or even now, you know, you should be healed from that by now. You know, it shouldn't hurt so bad, but you can't put a timeline on someone's healing process. And so I think it's very important um, that, you know, we at least begin um, the process to heal. um, And, you know, if people choose to forgive, um, or even start the process to forgive, you know, it's, it's very important that we start somewhere and that we're very intentional about that. So you are definitely right. And it, 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 it sucks, you know, and, and like you said before, everybody doesn't have those resources or know how to get a hold of those resources or would even want to use those resources. Um, you know, and our, our prayers definitely and our thoughts go out to the families who lost a loved ones um, at the hands of police brutality. Um, definitely, you know, we, we keep you in our hearts. Um, um, we, we could never, there, there's really nothing that anyone can do to sort of like rectify that situation. Um, you know, so our, we, we, we definitely keep you in our hearts. Um, going into this next segment, um, which we call Hard Truths, Um, The reason why we have this on our podcast is because a lot of the times people will say things to us that we may not necessarily want to hear in the moment, but it is necessary for us to hear in that moment in order for us to grow. Um, And we call that hard truth. You know, every now and then we need somebody to sort of dig into us and let us know, let us hear what we don't want to hear, but what we need to hear in that moment. And so what I want to talk to you guys today about is, is unity versus separation. And a lot of times, especially in this sort of environment that we're in right now, in society right now, we don't really want to hear this. 
but it's necessary for you to hear. I was watching a very interesting uh, document documentary, excuse me, about uh, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and sort of the legacies that they left behind. But one of the things that really sort of touched my heart and I gravitated towards was uh, Martin Luther King and the way that he went out and did peaceful protests. It, it wasn't just, you know, you know, let's get all of us together and go out and protest and riot and everything like that. But it was no, he understood that there needed to be unity when we go out. So it wasn't just blacks, it was also whites along with them, with us, when we went out to, when they went out to protest. And a part of what I want to tell you today is, is that there has to be unity. I understand that in the time that we're in right now, it is sort of hard to take that in, but in order for us to really get ahead, there has to be unity. For me, I felt like Martin Luther King left such a great legacy behind. Um, and a lot of what we're seeing in the world today, I feel like if he were still alive, he would not be so excited about what he's seeing and what he's experiencing. Um, because I feel like, in a way, what's going on in the world right now, and I get that there's injustice, I absolutely understand that. But I feel like if he were alive, um, or I feel like a lot of what's going on in the world right now sort of, in a way, erases his legacy. And I want us to remember that there still has to be unity in everything that we do. And I feel like with unity, in us being, instead of divided, but together as one, we wouldn't make so many leaps and bounds. There would be so much progress and advancements that would be made in society. Um, so we have to learn in this hour how to put aside our differences and work together. Absolutely, I think that was great. Um, one hard truth I do wanna talk about is how recovery is necessary. Um, as I previously stated, I think so many times in our uh, black communities, we don't always give ourselves the grace to recover, the grace to heal, the grace to, um, you know, just take the time to breathe um, and, and just process and really think about what's happened, uh, whether it be positive or negative. That um, I think specifically for what's been happening in our black communities for years and decades now, especially right now, um, you know, recovery and breathing is definitely necessary. I think especially within our black community, we've been through so much trauma. We've experienced so much, um, especially for those that grew up, you know, poor or, um, you know, not higher class or season that grew up poor um, and didn't necessarily have the funds um, or the resources to live the lives that they wanted to live. Right. Um, I really feel like we need to definitely take that time um, in the midst of us protesting, in the midst of us showing up in boardrooms, in the midst of us talking on news stations, in the midst of us talking on podcasts. We really have to take the time to, you know, address what happened. Um, think about it. You know, it's okay to embrace anger. It's okay to embrace how you feel in that moment. But at some point, we really have to begin the recovery process however that looks, in a healthy manner. You know, we, we have to take that time. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's just necessary. Um, you know, I, I've i always heard people say throughout the years, um, depending on, you know, the families that they grew up in, 
or just, you know, throughout the internet, how, you know, people were told growing up, you know, what stays in the house, or I'm sorry, people were really told growing up, you know, what happens at home stays at home. And, you know, they, a lot of times, you know, keep these secrets or keep these things and these feelings and emotions because they were told not to feel and not to embrace what's really happening and how they're feeling. And so now we have adults and we have people even in their old age who are upset, they're angry, they're bitter uh, because they were never really able to embrace their emotions and process what happened to them. And so I think it's very important um, that we address that, that we tackle that. And that we even stop it. Um, I I hate hearing that. I hate hearing that. You know, even for our our, our young black men um, mm-hmm. and, and our black men in general, you know, that have grown up being told, no, you have to be hard and you have to be this, and no, you can't feel. Don't cry. Stop crying. Why are you crying? Like, you know, just beating the emotions out of them. Basically, um, I think we have to take that time to process. Um, and I talk about all the time, you know, breaking cycles because it's it's. It, it happens over and over and over again, uh, whether in a healthy household or an abusive household. We have to take the time to process and recover because even though we've experienced so many things in our lives, even though we see so much stuff in the news, we still have an opportunity to like start over, to continue, to change, and like, what is our everyday norm doesn't have to stay that way. Yes, we see what's going on in our community, but we have to get up. We have to recover at some point in our lives. You know, in our own personal lives, we have to just make a choice to begin to process and to recover. So I think that's really important. Absolutely. I absolutely 100% agree with you. Recovery is is necessary. We have to take that time. Um I don't think we take enough time. I think we just sort of like go about our lives and we really don't think about sort of our own experiences and what has happened and really allow that to sink in. So I agree with you. Recovery is necessary. Um, The last part or the last segment that we're going to get into is called purpose. And we always do this at the very end of each podcast. And what it's really about is is sort of letting our viewers know about purpose, what purpose is, um, how do you go about moving and living in purpose, um, and just giving you just overall advice as it relates to purpose. So what I want to talk to you guys today about is basically there are no shortcuts. And plain and simple, whenever you are doing something, whether it is a business, um, whether it is an organization, a project that you're doing, there are no shortcuts in life. Um, a lot of the times, you know, when we talk about going into business for yourself or, or doing things, you know, there are sacrifices that go with that. And we don't really want to talk about the sacrifices, but it's necessary for us to talk about this because any business owner, any entrepreneur out there, they understand what it means to sacrifice for their business in order to get ahead, in order to see what it is that they want to see. And a part of that is, is not taking any shortcuts. You can take the shortcuts, but what will your success really look like in the end if you do that? Um, A lot of the times when you're doing business and when you're just going through just life in general, um, a lot of the times those peaks and valleys that we experience in our lives, 
they're meant to like really shape us. They're meant to help us grow. They're meant to show us about us sometimes. And if we take shortcuts and sort of go around those areas, we never grow. We never change. There's no transformation. There's no progress. So we cannot go through life just continuing to try to take shortcuts because we want to get there faster, you know, or we feel like, you know, oh, I'm getting older, so now I have to get there quicker. The truth of the matter is, is that you, you can't skip it. You have to go through the peaks and the valleys. You have to go through sort of like the, the emotional roller coaster that comes with life, the ups and downs. There's going to be storms. There's going to be uh, trials and, and tribulations and you have to face it head on. So the one thing, if I, if I can't tell you anything else, there are no shortcuts to life. There are no shortcuts to business. There are no shortcuts to, you know, anything that you are doing in life. You have to go through the process. You just have to. Um, otherwise, again, the success that you want to see is not going to be the success that you end up actually obtaining in the end. Absolutely. I think that's really important. Um, I think one thing I want to share is focusing on what matters. I think so many times we can get consumed, we can get so busy bodied and, you know, I can even speak for myself a lot of times I do, um, how we can just get so busy where, you know, we don't really always focus on what matters or we open ourselves up. We you know, are pulled in so many different directions and we're constantly saying yes and not giving enough no's, which is very important, saying no. Um, but we stretch ourselves so much and we stretch ourselves sometimes too thin to where we don't really always focus on what matters and we don't always practice self-care. We don't always um, give ourselves the time and the space we need to, you know, do things for ourselves and focus on um, ourselves, especially with everything that's happening right now. I think it's very important for us to really focus on what matters. Focus on family. Focus on your your personal brands. Focus on the creative things that you love to do. Um, you know, just focusing on spending that time on and with what matters. You know, on the things that matter to you, with the people that matter to you. Um, I think that's really important. Um, I don't think there will ever be a point in our lives where we ever arrive. But even during the time that we are spending day by day, step by step um, to get to where we want to be, or if people are there already, you know, they don't want to um, go anywhere else. We have to take this time to focus on what matters. Um, and so whatever, you know, pleases your heart, whatever's, you know, in, in a very healthy way, um, I, I think it's just really important to focus because at the end of the day, you have you, you have the important people that surround you and you have the things that matter to you um, that are very beneficial. So it's, it's very important to focus on what matters. You can follow us and everything that we're doing right on Instagram under Relationally Awkward, or you can follow us right on Facebook under Relationally Awkward as well. There you'll find everything. Keep up to date with all of our posts and our updates and the amazing things that we have that are coming very soon. So go ahead and follow us.